Hello, and welcome back to another WCSU interview with your host who took over the ship for this episode, Ari Saunders, and our special guest, Katie Churchill. Although, is it special? She's here every time. (laughs) Yeah, so today Ari decided to flip the script and she is going to interview me uh, so that the listeners can get a chance to know the person who typically asks the questions. I think it was a great idea. Plus, you have so many awesome projects you're working on, but let's not spoil it for them too fast. So first things first, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do in the industry? Okay, so I have been in the online adult industry since the fall of 2013. 2013, has it been that long? It has. Oh, God. (laughs) I just realized, like, we're coming up on eight years here. So I've been in the industry for seven and a half or eight years. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I am a staff writer at Webcam Startup, and I cover the news and do that sort of thing. So uh, I have that, but I'm also an active cam model, and I make clips. I do phone sex. I have an OnlyFans. I think that's it. (laughs) That's definitely not it, but that's a good (laughs) summary of what's going on. I do a lot of things. I just, I want to do everything because everything is so fun and exciting. And I just, I have absolutely no ability to narrow my focus. That's completely fair. So you say you started back in 2013. What inspired you to get started in the adult industry? So 2013 was probably... About five years after I first tried to enter the adult industry, my first two attempts were unsuccessful. So I, when I was in university, I had a friend who was a stripper. And so I went to the club with her to watch her and her friends perform. And I thought it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. So she helped me with some moves and I went to audition. Now, it's important to understand I know nobody can see me, but there will be a picture of me with this podcast. I am fat. I did not used to be fat. I used to be very, very skinny. I was a size zero or two, uh, and I had no curves. I essentially looked like a slightly underfed 12-year-old boy. And the manager of the strip club, bless his heart, was so nice to me. He was like, you have great energy. You're not the best dancer, but you draw the eye but you're just not quite the right body shape. So I was too skinny. Then a couple years later, I'd gained a bunch of weight, not quite as chubby as I am now, but substantially more curvaceous. So I went to a different strip club and auditioned. And I was too fat for that strip club. (laughs) But again, they were really nice to me. And they were like, you have such great energy, but if you just lost like 25 pounds, you'd be fabulous. They also didn't mention it would be great if you could grow some boobs because I hadn't quite hit the boob part of the weight gain yet. Uh, I did have the ass though. But um, so I tried those things and it didn't work. So, but while I was researching stripping the second time, because I went and auditioned on my own, um, I had come across a forum called Stripper Web that also had this camming connection section. And I had gone into it and went, whoa, whoa, whoa. You mean there's a part of this I could do where nobody can tell me I'm too fat or skinny? Tell me more. And 
so I ended up getting into camming after doing my research through StripperWeb. Um, and so I did finally start in my first show, I think, was in October, mid-October of 2013. That's awesome. And did you um, did you start with your specialty, which is Skypes? For those who don't know, Katie is a Skype expert. Or did you start on a regular, regular public camming site? No. So I started on StreamMate. Uh, but the one-on-one thing really freaked me out. And I found it really hard to get established on StreamMate. So I thought, maybe I'm not a one-on-one girl. Maybe this isn't what I want to do. So I switched over to my free cams and was pretty successful there for a year, a year and a bit um, before I got into videos. And then I started doing lots of fetish content and getting fetish requests. And that didn't really go down so great (laughs) in uh, public chat because it wasn't just like foot fetish. Um, It was like farting and my mouth and... um, a couple things like that where guys weren't really that into it. Um, at the time, I was also doing a lot of CBT stuff, uh, cock and ball torture, and uh, that was really not popular in uh, free chat on MFC. So I switched back to StreamMate, uh, and after doing StreamMate for a, a couple more years, a couple more years, maybe about another year, I ended up switching full-time to Skype because I am a one-on-one cam girl. That is... That's where I really found myself and hit my stride. I love one-on-one. I love cam to cam, but I want them full screen. Like, I love watching guys jerk off. (laughs) I just, I do. I really do. And so I wanted them full screen, not the tiny little square you get on cam to cam. I wanted to be able to hear them. I wanted to be able to see them. And I didn't want to spend a lot of time in free chat because I have resting bitch face. So every other person who came in would be like, why are you so grumpy? And I was like, I'm not. I'm having a great time. That's just it's just what my face looks like. So Skype ended up being the perfect thing for me where I get to do one on one. I get to have that cam to cam. It is HD full audio both ways. And I'm also able to charge less quite frankly, than I ever did on StreamMate because I'm getting 75 to 85% instead of getting 35%. And in between, I can edit videos or in the case of summer shows, watch baseball in between cam shows. Don't worry, I turn off the monitor and the sound when I'm in a show so I don't accidentally get distracted by baseball. But you're a great multitasker. So even if you didn't, I'm sure you could get away with it. I I really don't think so. You've never seen me watch baseball. I don't think I'm ca- I don't think I'm capable of watching baseball without yelling. I like I don't think it's possible. You can incorporate it. You know, I used to. I used to do naked baseball on Chatterbait and people would come and we'd just hang out and it wasn't really like a show so much as it was just me naked watching baseball and yelling at baseball. Um but I haven't done that in a while. Maybe again this summer? Maybe, yeah. If I can get my act together to schedule it and promote it and do all those things. Yeah, it's a lot of work to schedule and promote and do all the things you're doing because you do so many different things. And which part is your favorite part, would you say, about just the industry as a whole? Hmm. The industry as a whole? Um. Well, okay. That's so hard. 
Um, I think my favorite part is just that I get to make people happy. Like, I know that sounds really like, are you really making them happy? Yes, I am. I am fulfilling their fantasies and making their nasty, perverted little dreams come true, albeit in two-dimensional form on the screen. Um, I love that every day is different. I never get the same pattern of shows. I never film the same video twice. Everything is always just a little bit different. And it's I, so I don't get bored. I find it almost impossible to get bored in this job. And that was, I mean, I had a career before I started doing this work. Um, and I frequently found myself doing the exact same thing day in, day out, and just being unbelievably bored upon which I would quit my job and find another one because I was a serial job quitter. Um, this is the longest job I've had by a long shot by the order of like six years. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was a serial job quitter. I just, I would get bored and I would get so, I can't do the same thing every day in a row. Like it will, it, I can't do it. And this, I don't have to do everything the same every day. And I think that's part of why I like it, doing all the different things too. Because, you know, I cam on Mondays and Fridays and Sundays. But then on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I film content. And then sometimes I do, if I do photos, I usually do them on Thursdays. And But then at the same time, all those camming days are different. And I'm not even doing the same show from one to the next. Like even if you're just doing, because I cam in the morning. So I do a lot of quickie shows, which are like three to five minutes. And even if you're doing like 10 back-to-back quickies, they're all totally different. And so I think the variety and making people happy. And yeah, let's stick with those two. Okay. Didn't really answer the question in any short, abbreviated, convenient soundbite kind of way. but <laughs> So you don't get bored, but is there anything that you don't like about the industry? Oh, how controversial do we want to get here? Um, <laughs> this is I'm, your interview, girlfriend. You get as <laughs> controversial as you want. I know, but then the problem is while I'm editing it, I go, oh, God, I can't leave that in. Oh, don't let them know you're editing it. Katie totally <laughs> isn't editing this because it's totally not her project, and she is not going to cut out any juicy bits. I mean, the easiest answer would be the stigma, but I don't think that's – the stigma overall is what bothers me about it. I think it's the way that people act as though they're not trying to target sex workers. Um, I would be a lot happier if Instagram just said, listen, if you use your body to sell a fitness program, you can wear all the thongs you want. If you use your body to sell your naked only fans, get the fuck out. Um, I think all of the ways that, platforms and sites lie about shadow banning sex workers or only shadow ban people who use OnlyFans links who aren't also Tana Mojo or Cardi B or, you know, people like that. I think it's the lying about the stigma and the acting as though they're not trying to deplatform sex workers because it's so it's, it's gaslighting. And it makes me feel like I'm going insane. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing with FOSTA SESTA, how they were like, it's about sex trafficking. It's not. It's it's because you don't want porn. <laughs> you don't want your husband jerking off to someone who's not you. 
You know, like be, I, I want people to be honest about what they're actually targeting. I think that's the part that drives me. And I mean, that is like a big industry wide thing. And, but it just, it drives me crazy because it makes me feel like I'm going insane. It, it, you know, and, and with the targeting of Pornhub, when you look at MasterCard and Visa targeting Pornhub, they've made the changes. Other tube sites haven't, but those tube sites still have payment processing. And so you realize like, it's, it's all about optics and appearances and it's, it just, it hurts my brain. I just want people to be honest about the fact that they personally find porn problematic and I think if people were honest about that, then we could have a real conversation about it. But instead, we're having to have all these side conversations about sex trafficking and revenge porn and all these things that aren't what they're actually targeting, which is primarily women making money off the objectifying gaze of men. Well, you've been in the industry for long enough to see sites come and go and start with a platform of sex workers primarily, and then de-platform those same sex workers later. Um, So I can totally understand why that would be your least favorite part. Is there any moment in particular or any site in particular that you realize that any site was capable of de-platforming you at any moment that kind of gave you that like wake up like oh my god this happens all the time oh man tumblr tumblr was the big one for me i mean i knew that they i had i knew that they you know were kind of quietly deleting sex worker blogs and things like that but when they just went whoop no porn because we're trying to sell it i was like oh hold the phone like this is the nuclear option like we're we're not we're not in Kansas anymore. Like they're not going to quietly do this. They're just going to say, get the fuck out of here. And so for me, that was a pretty big watershed moment, especially because there are so many social media companies that are publicly traded that are, you know, I mean, Twitter at one point was in talks with Disney to be sold. And you best believe Disney would be scrubbing all the titties off that platform. (laughs) Um, it it was one of those moments where I realized like we're really not safe anywhere. And that what these companies say about being platforms for expression and so on, as long as you follow their rules is all a lie. Yeah. The Tumblr one was, was pretty big. I mean, I knew everybody was a douchebag and that everybody was being censored and so on and so forth. But that was the one where it really hit. Cause I used to get a lot of traffic from Tumblr too. So I was yeah, it was it was a personal blogging platform. I was too. personally I, offended. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was very uh, Tumblr. Also, just as a side note, when I was originally getting into kink and fetish in my personal life was somewhere that I went and found a lot of information, um, especially in some BDSM stuff that I did about safety and how to make sure you don't accidentally like kill your partner, you know. Um, I had a partner who was very into rope play and I knew nothing about it and he knew nothing about it from the domination side. So he was like, I don't know, Google it, uh, which <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> Obviously, you shouldn't have to do any research. You should just expect me to figure out what you want. But, you know, I want to make sure like I don't accidentally tie him and like break his arm or something. Right. So uh, Tumblr was a great resource. Um 
for a lot of people. And I mean, it filled a big need in the queer teen community as well in terms of exploring your sexuality and things like that. But it's funny. No, no, never mind. I nope. mean, we have all the time. We're getting no, no, no. We're not. We're not going here because <laughs> it's it's a rant about queer teens discovering their sexuality is fine, but straight teens discovering their sexuality is children exposed to porn. But we're not going there. I think that comment in itself is a good one to just let people think about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you brought up some some rope play. Um, and I personally know that you are a fetish expert, but would you care to share with the class what kind of fetishes that you do the most and your favorites? I wouldn't call myself an expert. I would say I am an enthusiast and an eager learner. Okay. I'll say you're a physical fetish expert. A physical fetish expert? You just, all the physical fetishes you do, you're so dang good at them. I feel like you should have a master class on like farting. Just, oh. <laughs> just period. Um, well, farting is one of my biggest fetishes. Um, I love it. I, so I don't have the fart fetish myself. Farting by itself does not turn me on. I am, however, one of the gassiest people I know. And growing up, it was always treated as like a source of shame in my family. My mom would be like, that's so gross. Stop doing that. It's unladylike. My least favorite word, unladylike. That's right. I hate it more than most people hate the word moist. Um, But, you know, and she would say, it's so gross. Boys will never like you. You know, no man wants a woman who farts all the time. But I just thought it was really funny. Like me and my dad and my brother just thought it was funny. And we got a kick out of it. And so to grow up and then discover primarily by accident through doing farting accidentally during cam shows to find it's a fetish that men will pay for was the biggest like, fuck you, mom. I do what I want moment for me. (laughs) Um, And I get really turned on seeing people get turned on. Um, I mean, I love watching guys jerk off. It turns me on. So knowing that it's me who turned them on by something like farting, which just comes incredibly naturally to me is just so empowering and enjoyable. And, and yes, like that, I get turned on by that power and that ability to turn other people on. So I love farting. Um, I love pee. I don't like being peed on uh, myself, but I love peeing on people. Um, which unfortunately is not allowed on like any clip site, which is fucking tragic. Just let me pee on people. I promise it's not going to like lead to the downfall of democracy or anything. It's just some fun with some very lightly flavored water. Okay. But um, (laughs) I don't know. I just like pee. I have a pretty large bladder. I can consume a lot of water, which means I can pee a lot, which is just fun. I mean, if you drink enough water, you could just say you're squirting and just piss all over the place. Okay, I thought I was the one who was going to say some controversial shit, but um, I like... I mean, some people fake squirting. This isn't a debate on if squirting is real. It's just that some people do fake squirting, and you do it by drinking a lot of water and peeing. That's just... See, the thing about the the pee fetish that really sucks is is the cleanup. I didn't turn off my phone. I'm very unprofessional. I usually do when I'm the interviewer, but 
the thing about peeing is the cleanup. I own a hospital bedpan, a really old fashioned one that's enamel. It's really great. And if anyone ever breaks into my house, I'm just going to smack them with that because that will probably kill them. Uh, it is so heavy, but I love peeing into it because it makes the best splashing noises. And it was designed to be able to be poured out very easily. <laughs> so I quite love that bedpan. Uh, the woman at the end. We taught you how to pee your bed recently, too. Sure did. <laughs> I've peed my bed twice since you taught me how to pee my bed. You didn't teach me how to pee my bed. That makes it sound weird. But you came up with the idea of using puppy pads. It makes it sound slightly sexual. And I feel like adding a little bit of sexy spice of me teaching you how to piss your bed is what this interview needs for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a video idea for when you come visit me. <laughs> What else do I like to do? I personally have a bit of a foot fetish. Uh, I really enjoy having my toes licked and sucked while I'm having sex. Um, So I am perfectly happy to lick and suck my toes on camera for anyone who cares to pay for it. Uh, Yes, I can lick and suck my own toes, uh, which is pretty impressive considering how fat my stomach is. I was about to say, it's hard for me to do that. I can just barely do that right now. (laughs) I can do it. Quite easily on my right foot. My left foot needs some assistance. But uh, yeah, I enjoy that. What else? Oh, I do. I used to do a lot more. I used to do a lot more smoking fetish. It got really heavily pirated though. Okay, I'm going to turn off my phone. (laughs) My, like, I don't understand why my mom is suddenly texting me nonstop. (laughs) She heard in your brain telepathically communicating with you that fuck you mom story and she is angry. (laughs) She was so mad when I told her that farts pay my rent. She's very upset by the whole fart fetish thing. I think it's hilarious. Well, I mean, if you go your whole life thinking your farts are unladylike just to find out that your daughter pays a rent with farts. It's- I know. My mom has been traumatized by my job so many times. Um, I used to do a lot of smoking fetish. It was very heavily pirated for me. And I got really sick and tired of it. So I stopped doing it for a long time. Um, I'm not a current smoker. I used to smoke. And still smoke for fetish purposes. I get requests and cam shows fairly frequently. And actually, I just filmed a new smoking fetish video. So I'm starting to do it a little bit again. But it'll never be as many as it was. Because I just... The piracy was so frustrating. And anger-inducing with that. Fart fetish is also very heavily pirated. But that one I enjoy so much. And still make so much money off of it. That I put up with the piracy and I use Brandit Scan uh, to deal with it. And I personally quite love them because they have really helped me out. They are pretty awesome. This is a good opportunity to plug Brandit Scan. <laughs> I, it's the first time I've ever used a DMCA service. And I hopped on them when they were pretty new. I can't believe I've been doing my own DMCA for so many years. I used to basically get absolutely drunk once a month and send all like hundreds of DMCAs. And now I can just do it with one click and I don't have to deal with all the bullshit coming back. So it's quite nice to have somebody else doing that for me. What other fetishes do I do? You made it sound like I do so many and now I literally can't think of any. 
I mean, just a quick scroll through your Clips for Sale profile, and you are blown away by the amount of things you've done. Like, the diversity in your clips has always been impressive to me. Yeah, that's a that's a function of being easily bored. Oh, pantyhose. I love doing pantyhose fetish. There is something so sexy about a woman in pantyhose. Oof. How deep into the pantyhose fetish would you say you are? Like, do you have a specific brand that no. you like? No. No, I don't have the expensive fancy brands. I wish I did, but I have the wrong kind of customers to buy those. Um, because I do so many different fetishes, my buyers tend to be customers as opposed to fans. So they don't buy everything that I put out because obviously I have such a wide range of fetishes. Instead, I have customers who will buy kind of my fetish content, but they don't really have that same relationship with me because I do so much different content. It is unfortunate, but it is a choice that I've had to come to live with because I tried to narrow down my fetishes to just doing two or three. And after about two months, I'd been driven insane. (laughs) So I realized I'm not going to be the kind of person who has fans who buy everything, who send gifts and that sort of thing. I'm a much more transactional person. I do have a few fans who buy a ton of my content across different fetishes and who send me wonderful things and money to buy hilarious t-shirts. But for the most part, um, I have to buy stuff myself. And I, as much as I want to spend $80 on a pair of pantyhose, and I know that putting the name in the title would get me some clicks, my brain just can't imagine doing that. Oh, I can't process the the name brand obsession that a lot of people have that are super deep into their fetishes that like I get it, but I also can't imagine spending over like $20 on a prop for a video. So I understand where you're coming from. About once a month, I convince myself I'm going to buy it. And I do think I'd make the money back on the clip fairly easily. But my brain just goes, it's pantyhose. You put a run in them after you've worn them twice because you're incompetent and have long nails. So I buy, I mean, I guess technically I do have a brand. I buy them at my drugstore. I buy the same color and the same size and the same ones because they are both comfortable and the right kind of like material for most of the stuff I do. Uh, But I don't do the brand name stuff. Yeah, it's something I I'd like to do, but my cheap little self won't let me do it. I did some brand name stuff for a friend, and all I can say is the pantyhose may be like eighty dollars, but they feel just like the ten dollar ones do. So, what favorite service do you offer? I know that you can. You make clips. You have a fan club. You write articles. What is your favorite thing out of all of those things oh god it's like picking your favorite child I assume I don't have children I think children are kind of horrible imagine just having five Lewises which one would you pick none of them Lewis (laughs) is my cat he is the spawn of Satan Aerie is a frequent receiver of snaps about what a bad bad boy he is fantastic young man (laughs) He's awful. He's like a drunk toddler who is never going to learn how to speak English and he does not understand. dragon energy. He is a reincarnated dragon. He looks like Toothless. That's why you think he's a dragon. <laughs> I would say I still come back to camming. It is the service at this point 
I, I used to cam six days a week. I don't anymore. I cam for a total of nine to 12 hours a week now. I make the least money off of camming at this point in my career. I make a lot more money on clips. I make more money on OnlyFans. Uh, I think I even make... uh, No, I don't make more money on just phone sex and texting. But camming for me is probably still my favorite thing. I don't make as much time for it because, again, it doesn't make me as much money as other things. But I love it. First of all, I hate editing videos. (laughs) (laughs) clips might be a little bit higher on this list if it wasn't for the editing uploading listing promoting part whereas cam i can hop on i can make a tweet and i shows come to me for the most part i am now at that point in my career where i have a lot of regulars and where that gets me enough traffic along with the occasional new person but i love the interaction I love the fact that I get to do the performance and I don't then have to watch it eight more times before it's over and I'm done with it. It's a little traumatizing listening to yourself moan over and over and over again. And watch stuff like realizing you have a clump of cat hair stuck to your foot and there's nothing you can do about it. Like that's infuriating. And also, you know, I'm not the best at makeup and for cam, I feel like I don't have to be perfect Whereas for clips, I always feel like I have to have big eyeliner and big eyelashes and do everything really perfectly. Whereas cam is much more low stakes to me because, you know, it's live. It's it's more about the intimacy and the one-on-one and that connection with someone than it is about necessarily how you look or your back or drop or anything like that. So it, it just feels more organic and more immediate and more intimate And I really like that aspect of it. So I find it a lot lower stress, I guess. I mean, the production value expected of clips has gone up tremendously too, but Canon is moving a lot slower. Yes. And yeah, I really like camming. I don't dedicate as much time to it as I used to, again, because everything else has surpassed it in terms of income. Uh, But I, I really love it. I really love it. And I don't see myself turning into a clips only girl or a fan club only girl anytime soon because I tried doing clips only for a while, but I just, I missed camming too much. You also just like projects too much. I've never seen a moment in Katie history where Katie has not been balancing at least three to four hustles at once. <laughs> like I said, I get bored easily. I also have the buffet problem where you put a little bit too much of absolutely everything on your plate and then you can't eat it all, but you feel like you have to because you started. Uh, I constantly have a stomach ache. But you handle it well. (laughs) I love that you're the person that like advises people on burnout and stuff. And you're over here like, well, you know, I'm exhausted. (laughs) I know. I talk such a good game about burnout and balancing uh, you know, work-life balance and closing the door and being done with work at a certain time and all of these things that I know. And yet the other day I was lying face down on my bed and I was saying I was never going to work again <laughs> because I had just spent like three 12-hour days working on stuff and I just, my brain was finished. Uh, do as I say, not as I do. Um, I mean, you can cry face down in your bed <laughs> if you need to, guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, I just, I always want to do everything. I've been like that my whole life. I've always wanted to just add one more thing. And if I have half an hour of free time, I need something to do with it. I'm getting a lot better as I've gotten older and wiser, I guess, at taking time to just do nothing or to just read a book and not feel guilty about I could be working on all of these other things. I've come to the conclusion that I get what I can get done what needs to be done, but not necessarily what I want to get done. So I've, I've gotten better at making time for just not working. And that's so important. I think that's a great thing to say, especially for people learning their workflow in this industry. You've got to figure out how to clock out. (laughs) Yes, you absolutely have to. Uh, having time that is not work time is so important. And I struggled with that for a long time. Also, I used to be pretty financially insecure. So that was also a problem where if I was taking time for myself, I felt like I had to be working because I wasn't necessarily on a very secure financial footing. So that can also be a problem when you're uh, really close to that line. Now that I'm not close to that line anymore and I don't have to decide which bills I'm going to pay and which bills I'm not going to pay and maybe can I sell something or borrow some money from someone I'm in a a much better place so I recognize that that change has also helped but it's it's very important to have non-work time and I, I try to keep everything for work in my office which is just a second bedroom in my apartment I'm very glad looking back that I decided to spend the extra money to rent a two bedroom apartment, even though it seemed like a stupid extra amount of money for one fucking room, which is very small and has the world's shittiest closet doors, which is a separate argument, but (laughs) it's not really related. They just drive me insane. They refuse to close. I rehung them and they still won't close, but I'm really glad that I decided to have an office and yes, I often film in my office, which makes it look kind of same, same sometimes, which sometimes does bother me. But I try really hard not to do things like haul my lights out to film in my bedroom all the time, because then I end up with lights in there. And then I've got memory cards on the night table. So then before I'm going to bed, I go, oh, I should just go and import that footage. And I'm just going to do that really quickly. And then suddenly it's three hours later. And yes, I've edited a video, but it's also one o'clock in the morning. So I try really hard to keep all the shit in this room. That's smart. So how long do you think you're going to be in that room? How long do you think you're going to be in the industry in general? Well, given the way rent has increased in Vancouver, I will be in this room forever. (laughs) 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 Because uh, BC has a form of rent control where they can only raise your rent by a certain percentage a month. Whereas if I left, they could double this, the rent for this unit currently. Um, And housing costs are out of control in Canada in general. So this specific room could be here a while. Could (laughs) be here a while. But in terms of the industry, uh, this, to my knowledge as of today, as of how I am at the moment, this is my career. Um, Obviously, my career will not always be camming and videos and all that. Um, I... Down the line, a decade or two, I would like to transition into something more maybe producery or webmastery or something, uh, because I know 
I mean, I know from my own body that my performance schedule and so on is not necessarily the most sustainable. Um, and I do have some health problems that may limit me down the line in terms of my ability to perform. But this is where I want to be. I mean, assuming that the U.S. doesn't just outlaw porn, which you would think wouldn't really affect me being in Canada, but uh, there's a lot of Americans with a lot of money to spend on pussy, so. (laughs) But, I mean, this is where I see myself. I don't, occasionally I throw a fit, and I know I threw a temper tantrum on Twitter a couple weeks ago, where I said, you know, is, I think I said, like, is, I saw Old Navy's hiring. I think it's time for a new career. But I was only mad because I'd filmed some stuff and uh, my SD card had decided it no longer wanted to live. So I just lost three videos. Oh, my God. That's the most painful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, you know, it was a temporary tantrum. I wasn't really looking for that. Um, I had a part-time job last year for a couple weeks that was kind of nice because it got me out of my house and, like, around other people. Uh, which was sort of fun. And it was an outdoor job, which I really enjoyed. So from time to time, I might take on like a vanilla gig like that, because I do spend a lot of time inside by myself. Um, So I could see myself taking another job like that if the right one came across my desk, but only ever on a short term, seasonal, part time basis. Um, This is where I earn my money. This is what I do. And quite frankly, this is the job that has been the best fit for me ever. And I've had some pretty good jobs. I've also had some real shit jobs, (laughs) but but I've had some jobs that I've been pretty good at and jobs that I've enjoyed, but nothing has ever suited me the way this work does and this industry does. And as long as that is the case, I plan to stick around. You can't get rid of me that easily. And you brought up becoming a webmaster or something down the line. And I know you're already putting the stepping stones in place to set yourself up with that. But why don't you tell us about your projects that you're working on and any new projects you have coming up? Well, my current project that is ongoing, but is my most recently launched thing, was at the start of April, I launched fartqueens.com, which is a fart-specific fetish site obviously. And currently the only performer on it is me uh, because I'm free. I mean, I'm not free, but I don't have to pay myself in the same way as I would have to pay other models. However, it is my goal to start bringing on a guest model every month and then eventually to transition that site to being more and more guest models and less and less of me. And that way it's something where I, well, I mean, I get to hire models and stuff, which is fun because, you know, you get to kind of dig around in other people's work, which is always really inspiring and entertaining to see what other people are doing and things like that. But also it, it, I can monetize my experience and my work as well as monetizing other people's work, which it's nice. <laughs> but that is, I mean, it's a very slow growing thing. It is a more expensive pay site. This is not my $4.99 OnlyFans. Uh, it is two new fart videos a week, which is more fart content than I've ever put out. Uh, my stomach feels some kind of way about it, to be <laughs> honest. 
um, because my eating habits when I'm trying to get a lot of gas are seriously questionable. So, <laughs> so you know, it's it's been a bit of a learning process in terms of how much content I need to have, how far in advance I need to be filming. The promotion for it has been more difficult than I expected, um, but it's also been really rewarding. And it's something I've wanted to do for a few years now. I just previously didn't have the time. And uh, I finally made time for it. And so far, I'm really enjoying it. Subscribers seem to like it. Um, it's going pretty well, I guess. So I'm hoping to, my current thing that I'm working on for it is I want to roll it out. It's through Model Centro currently. And I want to become part of the uh, Centro Affiliates or Centro Cash, whatever it's called, their affiliate program in order to have other people promoting my site and to be able to offer models who do work for me the ability to become affiliates and promote the site on their own and make money off it that way. So is there anything else that you would like to just get out there during this interview? Is there anything else we need to know about Katie Churchill? Uh, I bought a lot of plants and I I haven't killed any yet. And I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. I went and got into plants just like every other millennial and Gen Z. Z. I keep calling it Gen Z and someone corrected me the other day. Canadian, you know? Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I got nothing. No, really? No, I'm going to well, cut, I'm going to cut out this whole question. Okay. One, one final question. Why are you so damn fine? <laughs> <laughs> you realize you're saying this to me when I look my absolute worst. Like I took a shower today and I'm pretty sure there was a grease slick, like sliding down the drain. <laughs> I look like an absolute potato today. They can't see you. I can see you. Still so damn fine. Why are you so damn fine? Because one of the wonderful things about this industry is even though I might not be mainstream hot, I've still managed to make a career for myself. I'm not your I'm not your standard BBW. I'm not your standard mainstream. I'm hairy and fat and stretch marked and my boobs are the same size as my belly, so they look even smaller. But I've managed to somehow make a career for myself because I've made the most of what I do have and I've got the work ethic and quite frankly, the sparkling personality that keeps people coming back. And I think one of the best things about being successful in this industry and being able to have a bit of a profile through webcam startup is reminding people that you don't need to look a certain way or be a certain type of person or make a certain type of content to make a career for yourself, to make money, to have a stable income. I mean, no. Am I making a million dollars a year off OnlyFans? No. Am I making a million dollars a year off everything? No. (laughs) You know, I'm not... I'm a lot of people would probably not see me as successful. And I think it's unfortunate. I think this is kind of something that you see in areas like YouTube as well. And Instagram models where you see a lot about the people who are really struggling at the bottom, who have been taken advantage of, who are working for nothing, who have no opportunities and they haven't caught any breaks. And you hear a lot about the people at the top who fucking seem to do no work and make millions of dollars. And then you don't hear anything about all the people in between 
who are the people who show up, put the work in every day, make some money, pay their bills and have a pretty good life. And I think that I want to tell people that that's success. And that one trap that I fell into for a lot of years in this industry was looking at the people at the very top. And I mean the very top. I wasn't even just looking at like the top MFC girls or the top row of stream mate. I was looking at like the top porn stars and going, why don't I have that life? Gee, I don't know. Put down the burger and the beer and get a boob job. You know, like that was success in a way that's not attainable for me. It's not realistic for me to look at someone like Maitland Ward and be like, how come I'm not like her? Well, bitch, you weren't on a Disney Channel show before you did porn. You don't live in LA. You know, like, be realistic. And I think one of the biggest things for me and something that I hope that anytime I give someone advice or anytime someone looks at me or my work in a way like, could I do that? I hope that they realize the answer is yes. This industry isn't for everyone. Not everyone can be successful. There's a variety of things that have to come together nicely. But you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to make a million dollars. There are a lot of routes to success. And there are a lot of ways to be successful. That I think... Part of the reason I started this interview series. Was because I wanted to talk to models who are in that middle band. Who have careers. And maybe they're making six figures. Maybe they're not. Maybe they've won awards. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they're the top on a campsite that you've heard of. Maybe they're the top on a campsite you've never fucking heard of. But it's people who are defining success according to what happens in their life and their own goals. And not just taking that kind of, this is what the top people are doing. Therefore, I have to do this as well. If I don't make it to that top level. I am not successful. And I guess that's always what I want to get across kind of with everything is that success doesn't mean having Maitland Ward's life. Success doesn't mean being Danny Daniels. And there's nothing wrong with these people, by the way. I'm saying them because they're people that I genuinely like and enjoy watching, following, etc. That's why they come to mind right away. But that's not realistic for everybody and that doesn't have to be the way you measure success and I've been so much happier since I decided well you know what it's not actually my goal to live in a big apartment that's all white and gray with like fake marble countertops that's not my thing I don't that's not attractive to me so why was I looking at moving to a place like that oh because it'll look better in your photos but will it I mean, it doesn't match my aesthetic, so why would I do that? Because everybody else has that as the background of their photos. Well, does that really mean success to me? No, I want to move to a fucking weird apartment that has, like, strange little nooks and crannies in it, ideally warm-toned hardwood floors, and ideally that would let me fucking paint a few walls. I asked to paint my walls here and was given a palette of acceptable colors. And it was everything from white to kind of beige to baby poop brown. And I was like, so you're fine with that color, but not with this beautiful navy blue. But like poop brown would be okay. (laughs) Yeah, all right. You have taste. 
but I'm not saying that I have taste. 90% of what I own is flannel and plaid. But yeah, I just, I want more people to define success on their own terms in this industry, because I think a huge cancer is that we all look at people selling guides that are, I made a million dollars on OnlyFans. Here's how you can too. And I think looking at things like that is looking at the outliers and not, I'm going to have to cut down this answer. Substantially. I mean, it's a good answer. It's just going on forever. Okay, I'm going to stop. The importance of defining your own success is the key thing of what you said. Yeah. (laughs) That. So, where can the people find you on the interwebs? If you would like to look at a website that's about a year to 18 months out of date, you can go to (laughs) katiechurchill.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Boots Churchill, B-O-O-T-S, like the boots on your feet, Churchill at, uh, on Twitter. I almost gave you my email address. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at this. And, of course, if you are a fart fetish fan, um, fartqueens.com, F-A-R-T-Q-U-E-E-N-S.com is where you can find two new fart videos every week. They are new. They are exclusive. Most of them won't even be up for sale individually for a few months because I still haven't got the documentation sent in for my clip site. (laughs) If you are a model who is interested in being interviewed on this podcast, or if you would like to be a fart fetish model on fartqueens.com, please contact me through Twitter. And that is the end of this WCSU interview. I'm going to pass the baton back to Katie. So any models or website owners that want to talk to Katie, you should. She's fun to talk to. Thank you so much for tuning in. All of the links that we've discussed will be in this article about this interview that you're probably listening to this on, unless you're listening on Spotify. Then you're awesome. That's all. Goodbye. Okay, let's do a proper wrap-up here. Oh, God. (laughs) You've just missed a few things. What I miss. Links to everything we talked about will be in the show notes. Thank you very much for listening. This has been another WCSU interview for webcamstartup.com. Bye. That was a way better outro.